What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. And welcome to Group Chat. I am Justin Barrier. Joining me, as always, Big Wasp, a, a joke that five people on my Instagram will get. And uh, welcome back from his uh, his vacation, Rob Mahoney. Thanks for joining us this time. Yeah, you know, I figured it was, I, I should show up eventually. We, we appreciate it. Did you, did you find your, your time off to be restful? <laughs> I wouldn't say that exactly. Uh, I went to Disney World. It was a great trip, but guys, I've seen some things. I've, I've seen the girl dads of the world. I've seen people clawing for merchandise. It's a marvel to behold, but I'm glad to be back. Lord have mercy. <laughs> um, well, glad to be back on the Death Star, I guess. Uh, welcome aboard. What do, they, what do they say when they welcome you on to the, to the Death Star at Disney World? Wait, so we're evil now? We're the Empire? I guess so. Why not? Would, you, would you rather be a Wookiee? I would much rather be a Wookiee. Okay. I've still never seen Star Wars, so... Maz, come on. I only kind of understand these references. <laughs> I, it only uh, emphasizes how the two of you are kind of like the the opposite extremes of like my interests. Mm. <laughs> <Where it's> like, <laughs> I'm very like absolute neutral to the both of you. So this, this is why this works. Well, it's good to be your fringe friends, you know, just really pushing your outer limits here. I'd say extreme friends. Um, all right. So we have convened as we do every year around this time to make our all-star picks. That's what this podcast is about. But we have a little bit of a spin for you 
uh, this time around. We have an email from our friend Doug McKim, uh, who wrote to us at suggestionboxgc at gmail.com, suggesting that we should do the all-star picks independent of conferences. So even though they do the draft with the, the two leading vote-getters uh, and they pretty much split up the pool of all-stars anyway, we're still picking 12 Eastern Conference representatives, 12 from the West. We're not going to do any of that. We're just going to pick the 24 most deserving players who should be in the game in February. Waz, what do you think about this just as uh, a framework? Do you like it more than All-Star? Do you like it worse? Oh, you know, I love it because it's borderless. This is an All-Star ballad <laughs> for the globalists out there. So shouts to all the globalists. They're going to love this ballot exercise that um, our reader or listener, excuse me, has cooked up for us. Yeah, Group Chat is the one true cosmopolitan podcast out there. Don't ever forget it. Yep. A podcast no without borders. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. I um, saw the other day, Justin, I don't know if you heard this, but the globalists invented calculators so that we wouldn't be good at math anymore. You know, mm. <laughs> it was a plot Damn. against math and arithme- basic arithmetic. To dumb us down. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, I would feel like this one educates the fan more because I do Let's think do this it. is a smarter approach to this. It's like, you know, it's like five to 10% different than I think you would get from, from most people's uh, just like regular all-star ballots. But, you know, I like to subscribe to the Virgil uh, Abloh rule of like changing things 5% and all of a sudden it's a, a new creative idea, right? I love I love that. And, and also <laughs> this kind of hues closer to the real all-star with the captains and the picking of the teams and all of that. Like it, it's closer to that anyway. So that's cool. I would say it's also like 10 to 20% harder. Right. Because you're getting rid of like the positional bloat in one conference or another. And it's just like straight up. Can you fit into this jam packed field? I mean, it's, it's easy at the top. It gets very hard to, to figure out who's who at the bottom and who deserves a spot. Yeah, I, I think I approached it more like midseason all NBA than I typically do with all star where like I almost felt the weight of wanting to get the guys who I felt represented the season more than than other guys like I did fewer like giving two nods to a team that was very good. I really wanted the best possible 24 to make Mm. this. And the big thing for me was like games played. I was was saying to Waz before we got on here, typically, I think I would lean toward the guys who played the most just because that's part of the equation, especially when you've only gone through half of the season. I kind of went away with that this time around because I looked at the list and I thought it would be weird to not have certain guys just because they played two thirds of a season as opposed to, you know, like three quarters of a season. So they certainly have a lot of time to make it up to over the back Mm -hmm. half of the season potentially. But I think the one question is, as it relates to all NBA, how much did you guys give a shit about prior performance, right? Like Lowry Markinen this season has been amazing. Do you care at all about who he, who Lowry Markinen is, or is it strictly, this season, is he worthy or not? So for me, I definitely did worthy or not. And I think the people that I penalize the most are the guys that might be performing at an all-star level, but their teams are severely underperforming. And so I just gave them the chop. Like, sorry, if your team is underperforming and you're one of the best players on that team, I feel like you get a lot of that blame. Unless, like, there's nobody playing at, like, a Luka level or a Steph Curry, well, We'll get into that. Or those <laughs> levels where it's like their team is just way underperforming. Um, and, and so that's why I was just like, look, if your team is not as good as, 
as they should be. And I feel like, and I know that's not very scientific, <laughs> you're one of the reasons why, yeah, you got dinged for that. Uh, I don't do any of this past performance shit. Like, I'm sure subconsciously, like, I, I lean into that in some way. I think like, I did for one, just for one, I did past performance. Yeah. Right. Because it like, was a toss up for me. Yeah. Right. Toss up is fair. Yeah. But, like, I'm not going to give, I don't know, Kyrie Irving a starter spot in, no, 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 in the backcourt just because, like, he's no, been on this no, thing a no, bunch. No, he's won no, an no, MVP. No, 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 um, I'm, I'm already treading on stuff that we're going to talk about later. So why don't we just hop in right now? So for the starters, as opposed to having two backcourt, three frontcourt per conference, we just have 10 starters, four in the backcourt, six in the frontcourt. We are going by, I should mention, the sometimes confusing positional designations sometimes. given to us by the NBA. Um, the weirdest ones, I think, are like guys like DeMar DeRozan, who for some reason is a guard, even though he's been playing forward most of his time in Chicago. Are there any other weird ones which mentioned Jalen Brown is a guard, yeah. not a front not a front court guy? Yeah, the Brown Tatum designation is about as arbitrary as it gets. You know, like one of those guys is apparently clearly a backcourt, clearly front court, but DeMar is mystifying. You know, it's it's tough to say like where exactly these come from. Are they player preference? Are they team submitted? Is there a category fraud by the Bulls trying to get DeMar in like in, in like DeMar a weak backcourt like field? Straight up, when he got drafted, people thought he was a shooting guard. And so he to the league, it, it's just like this guy's a shooting guard, clearly. And apparently he still is to this day. Yeah. So those are the only real restraints we did put on the exercise. Uh, shall we begin? Anything yeah, else we need to cover? Let's do it. Okay, cool. So I, I asked for the gentleman's ballots beforehand so we can kind of move along here through quickly. Uh, Rob and I have the exact same starting backcourt, which is Luka Doncic, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Steph Curry, Ja Morant. Uh, Waz has three of the four. He has Luka, Ja, Steph, but Donovan Mitchell and not Shea. So yeah. I guess that is the point of That's contention the, here. That is the past performance for me. That's, to me, Donovan Mitchell has been an all-star. For years now. I feel like Shea has probably played maybe slightly better this year, just on a way worse team. And I just think the stakes are lower. He gets to, like, the way he's allowed to play, monopolize possessions, like, just be the lodestar of that team uh, is just different. I think that's why his stats reflect um, something that, you know, some people might consider to be better. I, I know for a fact he's not way better on defense. And so, to me, I just did the young guy, you know, seniority thing. Like, you'll, you'll get to start some all-stars some, someday, and it's very close, and so I'm going with Donovan Mitchell. Also, he's a Mets fan. <laughs> I can't even pretend to have much of an argument here. Like those are the yeah. five guys, right? And it, yeah. you can you can pick and choose how you want. Donovan Mitchell, leaving him out was the first like excruciating part of this exercise. That a player could have a season as good as he's having and he still potentially 70. not make the top Come four. On, I, it's guys. insane. Um, but to, to Shea's credit, the, the Thunder are one game back of the Warriors right now. Yeah, yeah. like they are insane. He is insane, and he is the singular reason why, in a way that, like, for a player like him of that profile, for a team that we th we thought would be in the tanking race, we thought would be in that that echelon, and for them to be where they are, and him to be, like, a no-questions-asked all-star, it's really special stuff. And really a no-questions-asked all-NBA guy, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah. 
So did it come down to you, Rob? It was Shay or Donovan for the starting nod? I actually had it as Ja or Donovan. Like I, I was I was pretty sold on Shea. Wow. And then it's Ja and Donovan, both exceptional seasons. That's where the team winning, like the Grizzlies have just been so good. And and you want to give them the respect for that. And in particular, the guy who drives their offense. Yep. I was in the same boat. I had Donovan there for a while. And then I kind of stepped back and looked at it and thought, wait, the, the Grizzlies are incredible. They're one of the best teams in the NBA. And while I think you could fall into the trap of the Grizzlies being the number one defense and so much of their success has been defensively, like, is this like a new age Derrick Rose where we're like, they're winning on defense, but we should, we shouldn't, uh, we're promoting Rose because he's the superstar. I don't think that's actually the case. Um, I think that they're still seventh on offense. So it's not like they're just completely falling off there. And like, I, I, I did give preference to guys who are the guy on a team. And I know that's splitting hairs there because like in some ways you're faulting Donovan Mitchell for being on a starrier team. Like he has more co-stars on the same level of him. But I do think there's more of a burden on a guy like Jot to be setting a tone and to being like the spiritual like shaman of a team. And, and I think the Grizzlies in particular kind of... Uh, are a good example of this because I think they play with the spirit of Ja and I think there's a lot of there's so many guys on this team it could be very complicated in a way that it's not because of Ja also I think the thing about Ja is that it's not as if the roster around him is fully optimized to his offensive skill sets yeah right like I don't know that Donovan Mitchell would walk in there and make that offense work in the way that John ja Morant is able to with the, you know, the lack of spacing and some of the other guys that he shares the floor with often, it's, it's not like that's happening. You know, a counterexample would be Russell Westbrook for those two and a half months his last year in Houston where they traded away literally any guy, anybody that could have been considered a center and he put up the best efficiency numbers of his life. They had to do some extreme thing for him to get there. Like, that's not... The case with Ja, like, this is just a straight-up normal roster who, you know, it could be said they could use a lot more shooting around what this guy does on the ball, and he'd be even crazier and more and more impossible to deal with. And so that's why, to me, um, it's not like a, <clears throat> you know, Iverson in 2001 sort of situation um, to date myself again. I, I just think uh, Ja's just clearly been one of the best players in the league, and his team's record is an indication of that. Do we need to say anything about Luca or Steph? Like, can we just no, move along? No, <laughs> I mean, like when Steph has been on the floor, it's 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 absurd what he's done. Like, he's just been he's been yo he's been playing the best ball of his life this year, in my opinion. And like like he's one of the best players ever. This guy's this easy starter. Easy starter. He's been exceptional. One thing that did give me a little pause was Steph. And like, look, the on-offs are great as always. He means a ton to that team. Without him, they've been like just below 500. And with him, they've been just above 500. And I will say that doesn't really hurt Steph's case to me. But it does make the case for some other Warriors kind of interesting. Mm. Yeah, I had a tough time with the Warriors because your eyes and like, I guess your heart say one thing. And then you look at the numbers like, uh, and then you look at the standings like, why is this team still 500? <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, I didn't have any other Warriors here. And like, I wouldn't even say they were among like my next group of guys out. Wow. 
Not even in, no Warriors in my honorable mention. Guys, none. Okay. I can tell you Draymond. We'll get to that. We'll get to all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, why don't we do the, the starters in the front court now? Um, I think we all agreed on all of these. So mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong here because I took the time to, to not get into the situation, but I could have overlooked someone. Uh, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Giannis, LeBron James. Beautiful. Easy. This one was easy. Again, the the top is not the hard part. So Mm. I think, like, in the front court, for instance, right, on my bench, I don't, like, the guy on my bench who I think could have come closest to me is either Zion or AD. And it's like they both have weaknesses in their game that the guys that are up here don't possess. Like, weaknesses in their resume, excuse me, that the guys up there don't possess. So I don't, yeah, I, I, I never really, never even considered it for real. Yeah, I think Zion is the interesting one. As far as far as I was I was concerned, it was Zion or LeBron basically mm-hmm. for a final mm-hmm. spot. How do you spiritually that's just I mean, that's just like, wrong. You can't do that. <laughs> it is spiritually a little wrong. And especially, you know, coming off of LeBron dropping damn near 50 points. Like what he's doing to salvage the season for the Lakers, I I, I think we have to reward that. I think that is exactly the kind of thing that is deserving of a spot like this. Also, I think uh, New Orleans is, they might be playing above their heads uh, in terms of all the injuries they sustained this year and then being able to just cobble this thing together and still be a really effective team. But I do, I, I honestly think the Lakers are a lot worse than they've shown. I oh, really yeah. do believe that. Like they have yep. played way above what they realistically should be playing at. And I think LeBron deserves some credit for that too. So being on the West Coast, I, I watch a lot of the Lakers games, or I should say, I just turn them on, and I Best make sure on TV. That's what my homie said. <laughs> yeah, I make sure that I turn the game on now because I know if I leave it on, even if a team is up twenty points, and it really is a coin flip of whether or not it's the Lakers or the their opponent at this point, uh, more likely than not it's going to be a tight game in the final seconds. And and I think the the game last night uh, on Monday against the Rockets was a prime example of this, where they just they let teams hang around and all of a sudden, like, this could go one way or another. I mean, LeBron's scoring 48-45 a night at this point, but it seems like they're playing on par with the Rockets. And I think, like, unfortunately, that's probably their contemporaries, not even, like, a team like the Warriors at, at this point. Yeah, I think the thing, too, especially with the Zion comparison, not only are the Lakers just a bad team without LeBron, the Pelicans have been a winning team when Zion's off the floor, and that's without Brandon Ingram for the majority of their games. Like, that's just a good, well-balanced team that, yes, is probably playing a little bit above its head. But, I, you know, if we're going to pick and choose, I'm going to choose the guy propping up the disaster, I think. Yeah, but I will say that, like, for the all-star case, it probably helps LeBron because also his numbers are more gaudy, at least in the scoring department, than they typically are. He's currently 29.7 points, and now we can knock that by saying, like, well, it seems like everybody's scoring 30 points per game this year in the league, but tied for third most in his career, and his numbers look like a prime like late Cle- late first run Cleveland era MVP season. And so it's this, like this, really this hard is, to be like, don't the put him up there. Lie. Just, just watch those uh, games, man. There's, there's parts where LeBron is barely getting, he's barely jumping over a textbook on some of these finishes. And this is one of the most athletic guys we've ever seen in any sport in history, right? right. And so like, if you watch the games, you know this guy is old. <laughs> yeah, and I a mean, lot like, of this is guile. <laughs> 
should he test Christian Wood in overtime <laughs> at the basket? Probably not these days. When he yeah. bricked that reverse oh, layup. God. Oh my God. Oh, this is and he's shooting 29% from three. And I think Three's a lot of that is falling, just because yeah. he settles more than ever. He just, he just walks it up and then just jacks randomly. But honestly, like he deserves the right to do that at, at this point. So, um, well, one thing I will say is like the front court is easy here, but it seems like it's a pretty dis- difficult proposition if you have a regular ballot, which Rob does, because you have to really whittle down four of the best players in the NBA down to three spots in the front court between Embiid, Tatum, Durant, Giannis. Um, Rob, did you make that choice yet for your actual ballot? I'm still agonizing over it, but you're right to identify it. Like, if we've learned anything from doing this as a cosmopolitan, one-league pool, no-borders, all-star team, uh, the East is unquestionably more front-court heavy. The West is unquestionably more backcourt heavy to the point that like, I had six backcourt locks for the team, and five of them are from the West. Hmm. You know, like that, that's, and the other one's Donovan Mitchell. Like that's kind of where it ended up. And so, yes, those four guys picking between Giannis and Embiid and Durant and Tatum for three spots... It's brutal. I think I'm probably leaning toward leaving Jason Tatum yeah, off, which it. is that's it. Is it? Sorry, that's it. That's brutal. it. Seniority best, rules, man. But the best player by far on the best team in basketball, maybe the MVP this season, and he's not even our All Star starter. At least for the Sorry. actual Eastern Conference, if, he's we, an if we could here. do some jiggering with the with the positional. Um, identifications, then, yep. okay, cool. We'll th- gladly throw you in the front court, but sorry, KD, Giannis, Joel Embiid, they got to be in there. They got I, che- I checked everything. I'm like, is there a chance that Kevin Durant is mistakenly a shooting guard based on his Seattle Sonics history? Is there a chance <laughs> that Giannis... Shouts to PJ Carlissimo. <laughs> yeah, is, is Giannis mistakenly like a point forward and could be classified as a point guard somehow? But no, no shenanigans allowed this time. You went with KD over Tatum? That's brutal. Like, what is the statistical, like, argument there? It's just, like, KD's been hyper-efficient and he's been playing pretty good defense? K- like, KD's absolutely insane. The statistical argument is that he's better at pretty much everything that Jason Tatum is good at. Yeah. Kevin Durant is better at. Yeah. Yeah, but, but not on paper. Like, based on the actual results. And this is what I get into, like how much we're favoring guys just based on what they're capable of versus like what they've actually done. Uh, and I would say just like based on it's close. I'll say that, but Tatum's statistical resume is probably slightly ahead of him. And then you factor in team success. I, I, I would give the nod to Tatum there. So for me, I go with a lot of times when it is a bit of a toss up, I do go with, Straight up, it's a toss up, and I'm like, who's just straight up a better player? To to my mind, right? Um, I think you get into a lot of this when you get to the CJ McCollum's of the world, who is doing great work for a team that's we said is a, is even overachieving a bit. But it's like at the end of the day, like, is he better than some? Like, I don't think so, not individually, and so he gets dinged for that, especially in his positional group. You know what I mean? I think the the key of the the statistical case is the efficiency. Like it's right. 67% true shooting for Kevin Durant for a wing <laughs> on jumpers, on just yeah. straight jumpers. Like yeah. I I don't know how to disqualify that. And it, as far as the team success goes, yes, look, the Celtics are deserving of inclusion of honors in this, but like 
the net success is so surprising at this stage in the season. I, I almost give that as much credit as I do the Celtics being the best team thus far. At what point do you factor in this new metric that I came up with, which is trying to submarine your team in the offseason by asking for a trade? <laughs> I call yeah. it shithead. Hey, hold on, hold on. The shithead index? Um, yeah. Hold on. But, but that's the thing, too, because it wasn't just the offseason. We've talked about it numerous times on this podcast. The Steve Kerr days of this season were... It, it was nasty. It, it, was, it was some of the ugliest stuff that we've seen, especially from somebody like Kevin Durant, who's kind of been one of those good soldier type of guys, even in Golden State where he's like doing the weird thing and not showing up to timeouts and hanging out by the rim during whole timeouts. He played really hard on both ends of the floor. Um, There were times on defense, especially where the Nets just looked like they were, you know, it was flag football out there. Yeah, and you call it trying to submarine your team. I call it building character. I call it testing the metal of an organization. Some real Phil Jackson stuff right there. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move along to the reserves here. So there's 14 spots. Uh, we have four backcourt spots, six frontcourt spots, and four wild card spots. Whew. Very wild. Uh, so so I, I do think we should talk about how we grouped players, whether they were in backcourt, frontcourt, or wild card, because I didn't distinguish between I want the guys who I want in first and foremost in backcourt and frontcourt, and the wild cards are basically my last four in. Um, but Let's start with backcourt here. Uh, Rob and I both have Donovan Mitchell, uh, who mm-hmm. Waz had in the starters. Waz has SGA, but who Rob and I have mm-hmm. as a starter. We all have Tyrese Halliburton. Of course. Uh, I have Jalen Brown here. So do I. 
Waz has Jalen Brown. Waz, uh, Rob does not. Yeah. Mm. I have Slapping Devin face. Booker here. I believe Rob has Devin Booker as well, but Waz does not. You both have Damian Lillard here. Oh. I do not have Damian Lillard here. Who, so, who do you have? So I have Mitchell, Halliburton, Brown, Booker. Oh, I see. So you guys just have Lillard and you traded off whether or not you left off Brown or Booker. Um, so where do we want to start? I mean, Halliburton seems pretty clearly in the mix here, right? Deservingly so. Yeah. <laughs> Tw- 2010 and four. Bro, and every single, and it's not just the eye test. Of course, I think he's a direct influence on how they play as far as the space, um, the pace, excuse me, of this team, how fast they play. Like, that's a direct Halliburton influence. What he does in the half court at the end of games where dudes are deathly afraid to sag off of him because he's just going to pop a three in their eye. And, of course, his assist numbers to turnover has just been ridiculous. Like, Indiana is my personal favorite team to watch this year in the NBA when Halliburton is out there just because I love the energy. I love the youth. I love the exuberance. They're not afraid of guys. Um, And I just think Halliburton, like, he's clearly, clearly deserves this spot to me. Okay. I want to talk about Booker next because he was a tough one for me. So he only has 27 games played. It doesn't look like he's going to be back anytime soon. I basically came off with a cutoff of a thousand minutes, which is honestly completely arbitrary, but I felt like you needed to break into uh, four digits and minutes in order to play. And the big swinging point for me, because his statistical resume is pretty similar to a lot of guys on this list, including the guy I have right next to him and Jalen Brown. Uh, the difference is the Suns are 18 and 11 with him, three and 13 without. And it pretty seems like he has been the clear difference for that team and, and the direction they've been going this season. So that was enough to sell me. And as I mentioned before, I did ultimately come to the conclusion that I wanted to set a bar that players had to go over for games played in minutes, but I didn't want to knock someone who's played enough. Like, I don't have AD on this list. I'll just say that right now because he only had 800-something minutes, whereas Booker basically got over, and I realized that's kind of a, a little chicken shit, but, like, that's how I did it. Yeah, I think AD is rightly, like, the fringe case. Like, if you're gonna draw a line somewhere, he's playing, like, just over half his team's games. That's That's really skirting it. To me, Booker clears that line a little more clearly. I, I looked mostly at like game, like t- percentage of your team's games played more so than total minutes. And so for him, he's in the same class as guys like Zion, as guys like Steph, uh, as guys like James Harden, who I think has a pretty good case in the backcourt too. Paul George, Jimmy Butler, like all those guys are in the same rough like grouping in terms of the percentage they've actually been able to play. And Booker, when he's been on the court, the numbers just sing. Like he has the yeah. on-off profile of a Joel Embiid, for example, in terms of like, mm-hmm. the sheer impact he's having on the way the Suns play. And we've certainly seen just like how their whole infrastructure falls apart without him. Like We have all the evidence we need to get him on this team somewhere. If he's not here, he's a wild card one way or another. It's, it's hard to parse that part of it too much. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's my rationale there. I looked at the games played, but I was like, when he has played, he's played at an all-star starter level when he's been out there. And he was, he was excellent. excuse me, when he played. Like, he was just the Suns' clear, definitional best player. Um, And so, to me, it was obvious that he would make it. I put him on the... I put him on wild card because I guess that's just a distinction for, like, you know, to me, uh, he's less deserving 
as far as his resume than Kid Gilchrist, Jalen Brown, Dame Lillard, and Tyrese Halliburton. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think it's like that far away. Like, to me, he's, he's the first of the wild cards for me. Right. We all have him somewhere. Justin, do you want to explain yourself not having Damian Lillard in this group? Yeah, what, what are you doing? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Um, no, I have Lillard as, and I actually kind of rank them within the individual groupings too. So I have Lillard second in wild card. Okay. Uh, I think he easily could have made it up here. He would have been my last guard out. I just have Jalen Brown. And in fact, I have Brown ahead of Booker probably because of the game played thing, even though Brown is is now out. I mean, 27.7 rebounds, three assists. Pretty good. Lock. Lock. He's a lock. <laughs> I, I actually didn't think much about it, but clearly you hate Jalen Brown. So maybe I should <laughs> flip this to you and ask what, what is wrong with our friend? I just look, someone very wise once told me, like, I value the first options on teams, the guys who are really <laughs> driving their success. I took that to heart and I said, look, I'm going to look at this team in Portland that has, yes, a yeah. decent supporting cast, but not a great one. And yet, offensively, they're sandwiched basically between the Pelicans and the Nets in mm -hmm. offensive efficiency. And Damian Lillard is the reason why. And it's not just his ability to score. Like, his command in terms of creation, I feel like, has maybe maybe not fully leveled up, but taken like a modest half step up from even where he was before his, his significant injury. So... He's had a great year. I think we probably haven't talked about him enough because Portland's regressed a bit in the standings to that play-in range, but Dame is, he's unbelievable. He's just one of the best players in the league. To me, this is, he's another one of, one of my grandfather clauses. Like, this guy, like, when, when you think of Dame Lillard and, and Devin Booker, like, at no point you're thinking, do you say Devin Booker's as good as Dame Lillard? There's just no, there's, there's no shot. Dame Lillard is just clearly better. A player, you know, um, Devin on Booker, defense. No, on defense he hasn't. Even though Devin Booker, look, he used to be horrible, and shouts to him for even being a, you know, a clear two guard bucket getter and taking defense seriously. I, I salute him for that. But I just, I just don't think anybody in their right mind would take Devin Booker over Dame Lillard. And some, like again, when those things are when their statistical profiles are reasonably close and Dame has missed a decent amount of time himself. I just think he's so much better. And when you watch the game, he's dictating everything that Portland does, right? Like when when, when they try to, when teams get, get tired of getting bashed over the head with threes, they're just like, oh, we're going to hard trap. And Dame is manipulating those traps. Sometimes he's just outright beating them off the dribble. Like this guy, is, he's ridiculous. He's, yeah. he's, he's ridiculous. One game under 500 though. Don't know if you, don't know if you caught that. Aren't the Suns like 500? <laughs> they're they're, they're also, way worse. better players. Yeah, yeah and, and SGA is 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 also driving a, a bad team, though. I mean, I imagine there's some sort of fatigue playing here, where like SGA, for instance, is is the uh, the the hot new thing at the ballroom. You know, I, I love that SGA is keeping the genius. Um, draft pick accumulator away from Wembenyama. That irony, that sweet, sweet irony is, is giving me life, guys. I love it. His excellence is keeping them far away from that number one pick, and it makes me so, so happy. Yeah. Rob was right about the, the Thunder going into the season. I have, to, I have to give you credit for that one. I didn't see it, but yeah, Rob, Rob was right. I tried to tell y'all. Chet isn't did even you, playing yet. Did you consider Giddy 
for any of these spots. You know, he was he made a friend. He made a fringe bid. You know, we we, we had to at least consider him. Giddy's good. I have to say, I, I'll eat that one. Like I didn't. I don't know if I necessarily thought he would be bad, but I thought the Giddy hype train was a little uh, out of control going into the season. But he's like legitimately a, a triple double threat, like twenty point triple double threat now, like every game. So the question is, when will Waz eat that one? When will Waz take accountability? I'm, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not there. I'm not there. Uh, I want to see the, I want to see him do it in the playoffs. <laughs> might might be a year. Might be, might be a year on that one. Uh, will you do the opposite of what people do when they shave their head for certain things? You will grow out your hair when oh, sure. Giddy makes a, a All Star team. I will match whatever his haircut is at the time. So Josh Giddy, whatever you want to do, I will I will mirror you. Might need some some perm uh, equipment there, but we'll get there. Um, all right, let's uh, let's flip to front court now and the reserves, which I believe we had a lot of disagreements here. So I'll just list off mine, and then you guys can do yours. Um, I have Laurie Markkinen, Demonis Sabonis, Pascal Siakam, Zion Williamson, Bam Adebayo, and Julius Randle. Hmm. I had Zion Williamson, Anthony Davis, Laurie Ma- uh, Markkinen. Pascal Siakam, Jimmy Butler, and Miles Turner. <laughs> Ooh, I like the Miles yes, Turner pick. Yes, sir. So I ended up with Zion, Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Pascal Siakam, Domas Sabonis. Okay, so let's start at my number one here, who I thought was an easy selection, Laurie Markkinen. Rob, you do not have him anywhere, correct? I don't. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, he, he was that's in the wild card insane. pool for me, and then just I, I couldn't quite get there. Too wild for you? Too? You know, he's a wild guy. Look at him. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, like, what's going on here? What, what? What is there to explain? Like, did you see the players I put in over him? Uh, yeah, no. I think there's. Should we wait then? Because I think there are a couple of them that I was I was struck. Yeah, by. Yeah. Who's Who's the point of contention here yeah. as far as uh, marketing is concerned? Because he's on my he's on my ballot with a bullet. Actually, are, are yeah. y'all, so neither of y'all picked Paul George, right? No, oh, no, 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 no. I didn't no pick Paul, Paul George, George for me. Oh, you did. So didn't one of two, team. Paul George. Uh, one of two, Jimmy Butler. I, uh, Jimmy's right? on mine. Jimmy's with me. Jimmy did not make it for me. Interesting. Okay. And then AD, obvious reasons. I mean, I, th- I think we all agree if AD had played a full slate of games, he'd be no questions 100%. asked on this team. Okay. Waz has him, right? Yeah, I got AD. I mean, to me, you played, like, he played at an MVP level while he was out there. Like, that, that, that needs to count for something. Instead of being like, oh, he was serviceable. He was a good player, like Sabonis. Like, no, he was an MVP level player when he was out there. Like, it's, you know, I think that matters. So for you, Rob, was Markinen a product of the Jazz just not being a good team? Or I'm I'm struggling to understand this. Yeah. What's, what's going I, on here? I put him so like he and Sabonis were a close call for me. To me, Sabonis is more like structurally important to what they do in Sacramento than Markinen is, which which I think for Markinen is like part of his oh. strong suit, right? Is that you don't have to build around him necessarily. You don't have to feature him in quite the same way. But it works against him in a little bit, a little bit here. It's it's a tough one to parse, and ultimately, like the reason he's not even a wild card for me has more to do with the guards than it does Markkinen. But mm. it's tough. Like at, at some point, you're going to have to leave off either one of the best players on a top defensive team or one of the best players on a top offensive team. I looked at the Jazz as a team that has fallen pretty precipitously in the standings. And yes, he's central to what they do. Yes, he's been great. Yes, he's going to make the actual All Star team. 
But <laughs> but when you include the east, when you include the east front court guys in the pool, it gets real crowded real fast. 52-40-87 right now from our guy Lori. Just incredible. Dunking, 25 points. Almost dunking nine on rebounds, his replacement in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, like, this guy, he's just, he's having such a charmed season. It's just beautiful to watch. And honestly, I just love the way the Jazz play. Like, these guys play for one another. They um super, super unselfish. They're... Everybody thought they were headed for an 11-win season, essentially. And they've been one of the toughest house all year. And, and marketing is like, he's the focal point. Not the focal point, but you know what I mean? He's been their best driving force. player. Yeah. yeah, he's been the driving force. And so, I, yeah, man, Laurie just had to make, as far as Paul George is concerned, look, nobody in their right mind would ever say that Paul George is worse than Laurie marketing or... Even that he's having a worse season, it's just the unevenness of that Clippers situation just leaves a nasty taste in my mouth. And I don't think they have any all-star level players this year. I just don't think the the output has been there, um, both individually, when you think about the games um, that have been missed, and just the team's output has just been so uneven, so, so disjointed. And you could say it's physical stuff, so it's nobody's fault, but like... I. You're not an all-star this year. So Paul George was literally my last guy in, and I do not feel good about it whatsoever. I think it did come down to a lot of guys who I had to pick between the best representative of the Clippers, who despite everything we've said about them and how awful it is at times to watch their games, whether or not their superstars are playing in there, they're still sixth in the West. And they're a pretty good team. They're one of the best defensive teams. And I think they're already putrid on offense. They would be somehow even worse without Paul George. Paul George has been the best offensive player on their team. And so like, I feel like at a certain point, I, I don't want to celebrate it, but I do think like the empirical evidence is so like, it's so like, you can't ignore it. Like he is good enough to make it. And I would rather reward someone from a team I haven't put on here rather than add a Jimmy Butler. I did not put Jimmy Butler on the mm. team, but I did have Bam. I have a I have a Miles Turner query for you, Was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the Turner one's interesting. Yes. It's an interesting one. I honestly I like I thought about him. I like the pick. Why would you pick Turner over Jaron Jackson Jr., for example? Very similar player, very similar strengths, that much better team. I just think Jaron Jackson Jr. plays, like the players around him are much better. I think John Morant is an MVP. As much as I like Halliburton, he's not an MVP, right? Like John Morant's an MVP. And and you know what? Jaron Jackson has actually elevated his um, performance, right? Like this year, like he's like better at defense than he's actually living to his sort of potential or his reputation on that. And I just think to me, Miles is he's one of the big dogs on the Pacers and again overperforming the expectations right he's having a career year in score on offense like shooting the best he's ever shot from 3 uh, at basically his standard volume. He's giving you his customary defense. He's doing more on offense than he ever has when it comes to, you know, actually like dribbling the ball, finding got shooters in the corner like he's just He's just been opened up in a way since Sabonis got kicked out of town finally. 
uh, that to me, he's just that all-star kind of player. He's anchoring what they do in, in a way that in times it doesn't feel like Jaron Jackson is doing for, uh, for, for Memphis. And, you know, obviously he's still fouling the hell out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, can I answer the Jackson question? Because yeah, he, he's actually the first guy I left off. Like, he is my number 25. And I really, really wanted to make the case for him just because he is, in my mind, clearly the defensive player of the year. Like, 3.3 3 blocks a game. I think his, like, pace-adjusted numbers are almost historic. 14.2 uh, on-court net rating. He's been incredible. Uh, the problem is he's played 704 minutes. And he's played as many games as Booker, 27, but he's played 300 fewer minutes yeah. in part because <laughs> of the following. Some of it and is so injury, like, injury, yeah. like oh, coming sure. back, blah, blah, blah stuff. Sure. No, but yeah. it, a lot of it is also that he follows the crap out of everybody. And so like, <laughs> if that flaw is keeping you from being on the court as much, I'm not as inclined to like give you a safe pass. Yeah, and he's played... I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that he hasn't played at an all-star level. I think he's played at all-star level. To me, he's just on the fringes. And, you know, and, and on the fringes, I'm allowed to play favorites here. Like, you guys know Miles Turner is one of my favorites. And I think... Max Guy, yeah. This, this was... <laughs> exactly. I think this was a make-or-break season for him reputationally, right? Because all he's been saying to people is like, I can do more. I'm just not being allowed to. And this opportunity presented itself. And this Pacers team has just played above their heads, man. And, and Miles has been a big part of that. And it's, again, all of the stuff that he, in the past where he's been this great, you know, defensive guy, especially around the rim, uh, serviceable as far as his perimeter, moving his feet on the perimeter. And, you know, the three-point shooting spacing. It's just been, he's been doing it all. He's been the best version of Miles Turner, Um the the unbecoming begging for the Laker trade, notwithstanding, <laughs> you know, uh, he's, he's 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 been incredible. Well, I love to see Turner and and to just get Jackson in this conversation. And Justin, I guess your your analog to that is Bam too, in terms of like a big on a good defensive team who's also worthy of consideration here. Personally, look, I just love stars. I just love the stars. <laughs> I'm just going glitz and glam all the way down to Demonte Sabonis, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I, it really came down to Bam or Butler for me. I wanted to put one Heat player in, and I think you so could say Jimmy, that Jimmy for me. <sighs> he's just like I he's great about so, it. I'll say that he's just so clearly like uh, the best guy on a team, especially when it's close games. And Jimmy's like <laughs> he's he's getting to the rack, up faking a guy. Getting the and one to go up one, like nobody else does that, right? And Bam still has never taken the the step to be a more involved party on offense. Like he's still just a he's always an afterthought on that end. And yes, he's a he's a great defender, but to me, Jimmy, he's just so much more important, man. He's their best facilitator. He's their best scorer. He's the spiritual leader. He's still a damn good defender. Like, he's not Kawhi yet when it comes to washness and coasting on reputation on defense. Like, he's still pretty damn good at defense. Like, I, I got to give it to Jimmy if it's going to be between him and Bam. I also default Jimmy. But I will say, like, this is the most assertive season we've seen from Bam yet. So I can, I can see the case centerpiece of a top five defense, averaging 21 a game for the first time in his career. He's been awesome. Like, he's been great. And that team, again, like, is just persistently 
a little better than you think they, that they have been or that they will be or where they are, given their personnel, given who's in and out of games, including Jimmy Butler for a lot of these games. I, I have no problem with Bam getting some love here. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy clearly takes them from a good team to a great team. That, that's been clear even recently when he's been back in that lineup and you've seen them steadily climb into the rankings. 17 and 14 with Butler, 7 and 7 without. It really came down to, do I want to reward the guy who takes them over the top and brings them out of like the play-in muck and potentially into the regular big boy playoffs? Or do I want to reward the guy who has been so consistent for them and has set the baseline for competence for them? And honestly, like the, the statistical resumes are pretty similar too. With Bam, you're talking 21, 10, and 3. And with Butler, it's 22, 6, and 5. So it's like, do you want a little bit more playmaking? Do you want a little bit more defense, uh, rim protection sort of stuff? Like it, it really is kind of eye of the beholder, I think. How many lattes is Bam selling, though? Well, how, how many units is he moving? <laughs> That's great. He's more of an espresso guy. What are those things that you get, the, the Cafe Cubanos, uh, that are basically like Cafe shots of heroin? Leche? No, I think, it's, I think it's the little things that, that come in like the small smartphone cup and then you take the shots. Is, is that what it is? Mm. Yeah. Those things are uh, very potent. I'll say that. But <laughs> I, I, had, I have such a caffeine addiction. They, they really pierced my... Uh, my, my mood, unfortunately. You're just dead um, inside. This is 100% true. So we all have Sabonis. We all have Siakam. We all have Zion, right, in the front court. Mm-hmm. Um, Zion was actually the guy where I didn't have him in the mix here, and I stepped back and I'm like, that, was, that doesn't feel right. I'm going to completely change how I'm approaching the game's play here. Like, pretty much having the same all-star season he had a couple years ago with actually better... Uh, assist numbers, which is surprising considering I think that year was the year of Point Zion. So, um, my last front court guy, Julius Randle, neither you, neither of you guys have on the entire no. ballot, right? No, he's not even honorable just, mention for me. No, wow, you're Knickerbockers back in the mix, and we're not going to celebrate the guy who's I putting mean, the city on his back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think what they're doing is is definitely a collective effort. Uh, Julius is obviously he's one of the two, three, whatever best guys on the team. I just don't think he's like carrying the Knicks, and and I just I don't know, man. The, the, the 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 nature of what he does, how he his offense subsists on some of this, what I consider to be come and go kind of stuff. Whether it be if his mid range is falling or if he's getting the fouls or whatever, I, I'm I don't know, man. I, and I like that he's playing harder on defense this year. I'm I'm happy for it, but he's he's not an all star for me. I'm not falling for that again. I think the tough part is like not having Markinen and not having Randall on my list. Like Randall. If you don't include him, the Knicks are the best team without a representative on on the team, and that's yeah. by by record. And also, they're a really solid team by point and differential I'm okay with too. That. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I was too. At the end of the day, you know, we we all got to sleep at night somehow, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hand wave the Knicks and say, "Nice job, cute season, keep it moving." Wow, cute season. See, this yeah. is where I almost feel like aesthetics almost become overvalued here where it's like, yeah, is Randall my favorite player? 
Probably not. Is he like efficient this year? Not a, not a, particularly, right? Okay. But okay, like, you so what are we doing? Keep, keep you making the case, Justin. <laughs> I know you, you can't you can't argue with like raw effectiveness on a good team to a certain extent. Yeah. So like, I'm not gonna put him as a starter. Like, maybe this is even oh, too high. Okay, you're, you're not gonna put him as a, you're not gonna put him above Giannis. Okay, yeah. well, thanks what I'm for not is, doing that. Like, maybe he should be in the wild card. I, I would be fine with that. But like at a certain point, like I think we get too caught up in like what we value rather than what like is actually being effective. Let me, like let it me really ask you is something. Like, yeah, go ahead. The, the, the fringe, my fringe guys, who do you think have been more effective? Lowry and Miles Turner or Julius Randle? Do you Julius think he's Randall. been a, a more effective player than both of those two guys? Oh, not Lowry. I mean, I have Lowry wow. way ahead of uh, wow. Randall and most of other wow. front court players in the NBA. Yeah. Miles Turner. Wow. Miles Turner, the guy <laughs> who doesn't even want to be on the team, who would cl- who had his bags packed and is only even playing nice because he thinks he's going to get an extension. <laughs> I mean, he's playing real nice though. He is playing nice, but like I wouldn't even have him as like the top defense first guy. Like, would you even consider Brook Lopez or like Drew Holiday over? Turner. Like, if I'm going to reward a guy no. who's like defense first, I want to get the guys who are like leading no. the league in defense as a result of their rim protection. Nah. <laughs> it's a good point. Nah. It's a good it's rebuttal. The most, it's, the most, it's the most important defensive position. So get Drew Holiday out of here. No shot. <laughs> okay. Did we cover everybody that you guys have as a front court before we move on to wild card? Yeah, we got everybody. Yes. Yep. But I'm very curious to see, Justin, who you left off in wildcard as a result of having Julius Randle in there. Yeah. Okay, so, so I have DeMar DeRozan. We all yeah. have him. I don't have DeMar DeRozan. No DeRozan Ooh. for me. You don't, DeMar. De- you don't have noted guard DeMar DeRozan on your <laughs> it's list. It's just off my ballot. It's just that, like, I, and I think a part of it is my own, you know, it's anecdotal stuff. Like, I happen to have a disproportionate amount of Bulls fans in my life and, and the misery... <laughs> that these people have felt all season long. It's hard for me to not, you know, <clears throat> that residual to not stain um, DeMar. It's like they've been so bad. It's like, they've been bad. Outright just terrible in, in stretches this year. And and I just don't think any Bulls deserve to be on this team. That's just that's just me. But don't the miserable Bulls fans in your life love DeMar <laughs> as the yeah, one guy who's true. actually showing up? That is up? true. That is true. They're like that, not that much worse than the Pacers. So, like, I, I feel like Demar is a pretty clear wild card spot for me. Um, I have Dame here. You guys have him above. I have Deer and Fox, mm-hmm. and I also have Paul George. I mentioned Paul George. Neither of you have Fox, do you? I no. got Fox. Fox is a okay. wild card for me. My two wild cards because I I just couldn't I couldn't disentangle Fox and Sabonis, and so like I I really didn't want to put Sabonis. On my ballot, but the Sacramento story is too good. I feel too sentimental as a purist watching these guys come out and do what they do on a day to day. Um, and so I was just like, I can't pick between the two. So I picked both. Devin Booker's a wild card. And my last wild card is Kyrie Irving. I just think, you know, like I look at all of these dudes that I have above them in honorable mention. I don't think DeMar's been better than him. Trey Young, Zach Levine, Garland, and Edwards, CJ. Like these guys ain't better than Kyrie. They just haven't. And to me, the Nets overachieving, Kyrie is a big part of that. Well, excuse me. They're not overachieving. <laughs> They've been, they're playing better than we thought they would considering the problems that even people like Kyrie have contributed to, but you got to look at the record and what this guy has put on the floor. Like, Kyrie is a wild card for me. 
in he's five, totally in like he's, de- he's definition of wild card. <laughs> Waz, this is where I sell my soul and come with you. Uh, like, come I, on, oh, he's been God. good legitimately. And also, I will say this because I'm. This is just a very moment right here. I remember when we did the stock buybacks. And I said, I'm going to buy this extremely low Kyrie stock. You guys thought I was a psychopath for this. But he's come out, he's hooped. He's played his ass off since, like, legitimately playing his ass off. He deserves to be on his team. For the record, you were a psychopath for that. (laughs) I just wanted known. But, but I was right. Apparently, you were right. And apparently, I'm coming with you. Like, I, I got down to it. And that's where the, are we, like, can I really put Lowry Markinen on this list over Kyrie Irving with the way he's playing and the Nets are playing? I found that really hard, but my question for you guys is, where's James Harden? Wait, can we talk about the Kyrie part first? So both yeah, of you, you have Kyrie. Yeah. Yes. So of we're course. just like, we're, we're back in on him now. He's like, he's it's paid his penance. He's, he's, I'm not I'm not back in on anything. It, it's the, the, the tape that he's put on the field, as football oh, the players would say. He's putting <laughs> his fortress. He's, like, he's tape put he? good tape on the court. He's uh, put all-star level play on the court this year. That's it. I'm not saying they should sign him to an extension. I'm yeah. not saying any team that has real aspirations should go near him with the 10-foot pole in the summer. I'm, I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying what he's done this season is that of an all-star player. Unquestionably. And and for one of the, for one of the best teams and the biggest the surprise teams and an extremely top heavy team. Yeah, Ben Simmons stinks, guys. Guess who's not <laughs> honorable mention, All Star reserve, All Star this. He's one of the worst contracts in the league. The guy sucks. He's terrible. He's been awful on this team. Okay, and it's just Kyrie and KD carrying this thing. And so I, I like I don't see how I leave this guy off. You know, um, terrible indiscretions from months ago. Uh, aside, of course. Yeah, I think this is where I bring up my proprietary shithead metric. Uh, <laughs> Kyrie is off the charts. We've never seen anybody no. so high in the shithead metric. And as a result, I cannot in good conscience reward this guy, celebrate this guy's performance. Like, great, you're, you're playing well. Fantastic. I'm sure KD loves it. Although based on recent comments, I don't know how much KD actually loves it. Um, or maybe vice versa. Uh, I, I just can't. I can't get there with yeah. him. Uh, Understandable. Maybe, let's, let's try it next year. Go a full year without causing <laughs> a controversy that doesn't dominate Sports Center for like three weeks in a row. And then we could talk about it. I don't know if Sports Center domination is the right uh, metric, by the way. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's also some part other of the shit going scale. on in, in yeah. New York that Sports Center could would do well to pay attention to that they've paid none to suspiciously, Mm. but we can move on from that. Well, this is why I tried to divert to James Harden because I can't defend (laughs) Kyrie Irving. Like, (laughs) if you want to disqualify him based on being, again, number one with a bullet in the shithead metric, that's a perfectly... I'm completely with you. How James Harden is not on this team, I don't understand. Mm. Like, (laughs) where is the gulf between the Tyrese Halliburton case and the James Harden case? Where is it? It's it's a feeling. <laughs> it's it's a feeling. I just I just don't get that loving feeling when I watch James Harden hoop. But I just I don't know, man. Um, he since he's come back, he's been better. 
Um, he's been really then, good. Then, then before he left, that's for sure. Like he's he's definitely been playing better, and he's made some slight adjustments in that he's not taking twelve years to make a decision, which has been his sort of like the Houston thing. That was it. Like he had to, he could take however long he wanted to make decisions because it was his show. He's making quicker decisions, which I like. I just he ain't no all star for me. Number one in the league in assists right now. Yeah, it's yeah. tough. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I kind of discounted him, but now that I'm it's like, a stepping back omission. and considering. It is. It is. It is. A, it's a biased omission because, you know, you can't say that he hasn't been as as good as Sabonis. You know, for instance, one of my or wild Fox. cards. I think Fox or is Fox. Like, Fox is Fox. Because it's like, I want to ding Harden for the defensive contributions, right? They're still trying to figure out whether or not they could play him and Maxi at the same time. And I don't know if they'll ever figure that out in time uh, to make that work in the playoffs. We'll see. But like, how do I justify Fox with worse offensive numbers, probably equally shoddy defense? Scott, I mean, excuse me, Scott. Fox is actually their go-to guy in crunch time, right? Like he's the guy that's orchestrating and not just orchestrating, he's scoring in crunch time, which is like traditionally has been a knock on him. At the end of games, he's a terrible shot creator. He can't shoot the mid range. He can't shoot from long range. People wall off the paint. And this, this year, he's making it from all over the place, man. Um, I, I just, yeah, he, like James Harden's numbers are just as good, if not better, than De'Aaron Fox. But I don't know how you guys watch hoop and love hoop and and say to yourself, yeah, James Harden has been. Just a better experience. Uh, I just can't do it with that dude. He has not been a better hang than De'Aaron Fox, but he has <laughs> been a better basketball player this season, unfortunately. But look, Waz is circling the important thing, which is we got two Pacers on the All-Star team. We got yeah. two Kings on two the kings. All-Star team. Yeah, Everybody wins the Tyrese Oliver and Demonis Sabonis trade. We got we got a guy from the Prairie, damn this, starting. <laughs> or on you guys' ballot starting. Like, uh, you know, David Stern is so happy right now that the small... <laughs> Small, he's up in heaven, you know, basketball heaven, just just loving it that these small markets are getting this love. Just shooting free throws on a on a hoop attached to a barn, yeah, <laughs> underhand. Uh, uh, do we want to talk about like our next guys out? Well, let me let me clarify. My wild card picks were Harden, DeRozan, Jalen Brown, who you guys hit earlier, mm-hmm. and then Kyrie, who I kind of wish was Lowry yeah. marketing, but mm-hmm. I, I I'm I'm susceptible to shitheads apparently. Pretty similar players and, and people, you know. so right. Uh, enjoy, enjoy Utah, Kyrie. Uh, all right. So my first three out. So I have a very long list, but I'll keep it to the three. Jaron Jackson, I mentioned number one. I have Butler there as well, and I have Drew Holiday. Holiday is an interesting case. You're seeing a lot of love for him on on other people's ballots. I want to reward him because the Bucks are third on defense and he has been able to slide into the like his 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 offensive production is better this season in part because he's been having to slide into that number 2 role uh that's been vacated by Middleton. The problem I have with him and probably what what kept him out of my ballot was the Bucks are pretty bad on offense and I would think a max guy who is a clear number two, not only a number two, but like one of the few number twos I'm going to put into the all-star game should probably be able to carry a little bit more of that load uh, in order to balance them out. And so for that reason, I kept them out, but uh, I feel like he's right on the verge for me. I can respect that pick, especially because he is there, you know, the, the perimeter defensive stuff. He just, gets on people and just dogs the hell out of them. And and that's that's been consistently his role. And 
you know, the offense waxes and wanes. Uh, some of his decision-making to me, I'd just be like, yo, you are too old to be doing this this kind of stuff. But I, I respect it. I, like, the Bucks, I, I, like, I, I understand why they haven't been playing to their level this year. You hear the grump, the grumblings out of over there that certain people might be annoyed with Chris Middleton and how long his rehab is taking. Like, we've all heard that kind of stuff. But I, I can understand a Drew Holiday. Um, I get that. I mean, for me, people that were, like, first up was, like, Trey Young is still playing. Like, he's playing a little bit worse than he did last year when he was clearly an all— Like, he's an all-star level player, but Trey Young— He's not making my team because you're why the team is underachieving. Like the lack of cohesion, the your turn, my turn offense with DeJounte Murray. It's just, it's so disjointed and nasty. The, the beefing with your coach is just, I, I can't put that guy. Cause again, I think he is a, a, like the pie chart of why Atlanta's not playing as well as people thought that they might after the DeJounte Murray trade. He's he's owning a huge portion of that. And so Trey Young had to be left off. Um, I thought Ant Edwards yep. should get some consideration 100%. Just, you know, Carl Towns has gone down. And this hasn't been a whole flame out um, since then. And, and I think he's getting better. I think he's improving. I think his decision making is getting better and better by the game. If not some of the, the shot stuff, like sometimes it's like I get it. You're really good at making threes. I saw, I saw just now that he was – the youngest player ever to 500 threes, which obviously says a lot about the era, but like this guy, he fires it, he shoots it, he makes it. And so I understand why he settles a lot, but he's making um, hay in that direction. I consider Jordan Clarkson, again, just because I'm just flabbergasted by Utah's <laughs> uh, success this year, limited as it might be. Garland got some looks, but... Nobody that I kept off am I going to be like, oh, these guys, this guy absolutely did everything he needed to to be an all-star this year. I don't feel that way. I think it's more just like the borderline cases at the bottom when you get to Kyrie territory. And Kyrie's yeah. a guy who, look, to clear it up, Kyrie Irving will make the actual all-star team. Yeah. Point blank. Really? Will, will, will make yeah. it. The, yeah. East, the East guard pool is just not that deep to begin mm-hmm. with. And I think this is the reason Drew Holiday is going to make it too. Where if you if you level it out and they have to compete against Luca and Steph, it gets a little crunched. But if you're just looking at East guards, Drew has a great case. Kyrie has a very good case. D- Darius Garland, I think, will probably have a better case even than Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. No matter how you think of that hierarchy, because those guys are just going to get boxed out because of the East front court depth. Right. The guy I do want to bring up that we haven't talked about is Draymond, and mm. I think he's got a pretty good case. I think he's got a pretty good case. For the West team in reality, I think he's got a pretty good case in this exercise as Mm -hmm. basically the guy keeping that team afloat despite the fact that they can't decide are we playing the young guys or not? Is Anthony Lamb our fourth most important player tonight? Who knows? But Draymond Green is out there and our team is functional somehow. And either he or Clay kind of has to like factor into these discussions on some level. So 19th on defense. Tough. And unlike some of these other defense first guys, Draymond is effectively giving you five points a game. Yeah, that's the tricky, especially if you're saying like it's him and Jackson, for example, like it's hard hard to make the Draymond case over Jaron Jackson. Or if you want to get into good defenders on teams that are winning lots of games, like maybe Aaron Gordon deserves a look. Like if any team is going to be deserving of two all-stars in the West, we're giving the Lakers two all-stars. We're, may- we're g- maybe giving some of these other teams that are much less successful 
we all know how great Jokic is and the way he elevates everybody, but Aaron Gordon has had an incredible season. Gordon's on my list. As of uh, of the guys no one's mentioned yet, I have Jalen Brunson on my long list. Um, That's Jeremy the Jalen that was on my honorable mention. Yeah, Jalen Brunson, definitely honorable mention. I think one of him or Randall should be in. Uh, the Knicks have been pretty good throughout the entire season. Uh, not Jeremy Grimes, Grimes, though. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> There's always time. Uh, Jeremy Grant, just someone to throw out there. I don't think he has a chance even as much as Rob would, would like him to be up He's there. He's great. Uh, guys, you played too few games. Uh, Lamelo Ball only twenty one games. Somehow has played more minutes than Jaron Jackson, though. Uh, th- the Hornets are garbage, so he probably doesn't have much of a shot. But he's been incredible. Like, still one of my favorite players to watch, and like the guy built for an All Star game. And I'm kind of disappointed he's not going to be in there. Um, I love Lamelo Ball. Um, I guess Bain unfortunately missed too much time. He's at twenty two games. He had an uh, absolute like rocket ship start and just fell off and because of injuries. Um, a guy I want to mention who did not come up in my calculus whatsoever. So we've mentioned like what 30 to 35 players at this a point. Lot. Like, I think you can get to the point where you're even considering like a Kristaps Porzingis, like some guys like really, really deep in the weeds here, right? Notice nobody said Brad Beal. No one said Brad Beal. Which his wife is not going to be happy about. <laughs> as, I was thinking about this as I was going through because I was like really considering everybody. Like anyone you can even possibly no, sniff this never. list. I was like, let's, never let's just, just like consider, right? Not once did Brad Beal come no. close into no. my mind. And then no. like I looked at the, the highest earners in the NBA this season. Yeah, number six. Mil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 50 million. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, would, would not even be the Wizards representative as you mentioned, nope. Justin. Like I think Chris Dapps has a better case. Nope. One of the weirdest careers in history. I, I should also mention that among the highest earners in the NBA this season, pretty much uh, a lot of them have been on the Wizards within the past three years because John Wall and Russell Westbrook's up there too. So some good stuff happening in D.C. <laughs> Do you guys think Brandon Ingram would have had a shot at this team if he had stayed healthy? 100%. 100%. His, okay, so... Let's just set aside the jokes about me and the Pelicans for a second here. Mm-hmm. Do we have to? Not necessarily. I'll do my best. To. <laughs> <laughs> uh, has Brandon Ingham had more than one good season? Like full season where he played enough games where he has been a bulletproof like all-star. One he's always season. getting hurt. He's always getting hurt. I think part he's, of it. I think essentially since he's gotten to New Orleans, he's been a high quality player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, definitely the, on the, the fringes of this group, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the efficiency stuff hasn't always been there where it's like, is Brandon Ingram an efficient offensive player? But I think basically since he got to New Orleans, he's been that. And the stuff that's been disappointing to me is not his shooting numbers. I think he's improved immensely as a playmaker. I just think his defensive potential, he's never met it. You know, a guy that rangy, that heady, Um, On offense anyway, uh, and he's not some stiff. He can move. He can move laterally. That he hasn't always been that kind of guy on defense to me is the biggest knock on him outside of what, out the physical stuff. I'm I'm a Brandon Ingram um, homer kind of. I mean, he's a guy who I think his injury is especially unfortunate because this felt like the year he would pop. This felt like the year he was going to put it all together and then He's off the court and we just don't get a good enough sample, much less time to see like his game really evolve over the course of the year, to see him partake in all of these like 40 and 50 point explosions, potentially to see him get to like feast in that particular way, which is a bummer. But hopefully we'll get to see that. I mean, I think to your point, Justin, we've seen 
like good seasons in aggregate, you know, like multiple seasons pieced together to make 82 games has been pretty good, but he needs to do it for a sustained period of time and he needs to be consistently available. He hasn't played since Thanksgiving. Will he play before the All-Star game? Certainly hope uh, so. Hard to say. I mean, he's great in theory. I mean, he was also great in the postseason last year, which is why this is so disappointing. He showed yeah. he could be like a guy on a team that could push the best team in the, in the NBA. Although, like in retrospect, maybe the Suns weren't as much of a juggernaut as we all assume. So this but, whole like, thing when Ingram's you don't great. get the surgery, guys, like he he's not going to be able to hoop at a hundred percent at all this season. That's why I don't get the case for the Pelicans. I mean, I don't, I don't. I guess we should go out on this note, but like it's all in theory still. You know. Yeah. The injuries keep happening. All these guys aren't playing together. Like, uh, I don't know. It seems like a dicey bet, in my opinion. We're, we're picking all-stars. We're not even talking about teams. And Justin still finds, finds time for the Pelicans. Finds a way to hate on New Orleans. My life finds more important than me clarifying why I'm right, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Um, all right. This was fun. Thank you again uh, to Doug Mackham. Uh, hopefully I'm getting your name right, but this was a great idea. We should we should keep doing this because this was a lot of fun. Um, super, super fun. Almost as fun as my man George Santos representing New York City. Uh, <laughs> he just got two house committees, business and science. Go, George. Yeah. Is Kyrie on those subcommittees? So, excuse me, the small business, <laughs> the small business subcommittee in science. That guy's science. There so, looking forward to Science America. He's he's on our short list too. Um, all right, uh, thank you to Eduardo Campo for filling out on production. We'll be back next week. We'll see you.